You're listening to the Eurofolk Radio Network, and this is the Andrew Carrington Hitchcock Show with your host, Andrew Carrington Hitchcock. Hello, everybody. Thank you all for joining me again. Today, I'm pleased to have on the show uh, Kyle Hunt, who runs Renegade Broadcasting and the Renegade Tribune. Kyle, are you with me? Yes, sir. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining me. You've got two great sites there, um, and we've had a uh, discussion before the show of different things that we're going to try and touch upon. Um, and firstly, I'd just like to get a, a bio from yourself, go into as much or as little detail as you like, and then we can have a little trip round both the websites so the listeners can follow on with our, us clicking through various parts of the websites that you want to make them aware of. So I'll hand over to you first for your bio. All right, sure. Well, I grew up in the Northeast for the most part of the United States, and I had a fairly regular upbringing, good parents, good family. Of course, we all have our issues, but I didn't grow up with all this diversity that we see around us here today. So I was kind of in that little bubble. I had, you know, the idea of a black man being uh, Will Smith from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. So it wasn't until a little bit later in my life that I came to these racial understandings, whereas some people uh, have been have been brought up in it especially some of the people down south, they they understand these things because they are confronted with the reality of the situation as opposed to the Jewish media's uh, portrayal of what race relations are like and how, how Jews really are, you know, th- that they're great with money, that they're really funny, that they really are just moral and intellectual superiors. And that's what they'd have us believe. Um, so I went off to, to college. I went to a really good liberal arts college a lot of the indoctrination there. I saw the insanity of the liberals, so I was pushed pretty much uh, as a reaction more to the right. I joined the mailing list for the college Republicans. Then I realized that that was a big fraud, and I've have not really identified as right wing since because it's all just a part of this uh, Jewish uh, dialectic. Um, I've been calling it the Bigalian dialectic. Somebody from years ago on the network came up with that one and it's just the march of tyranny left right left right and uh, you hear next time i'll vote republican oh next time i'll vote democrat so i've really taken uh, a third position uh and maybe even a fourth position once in a while i just don't want to be within this mainstream narrative so i've been something of a rebel uh in that regard i am not really a conformist so even at college, I was starting to realize that white men are the most dis- discriminated against in terms of at least academic admissions. You could have a 1600 at the college I went to in, on your SATs. They've switched the scoring around. I forget what it is now. 2400 maybe is the, the, the max. But you could have a 1600 perfect score on your SATs as a white male uh, play all these sports, do this and that. And you'd still get rejected. They reject multiple white males who score 1600s each year. But, you know, nobody seemed to see this as a problem. I remember even one time discussing this with uh, one of my friends with a couple girls around, and they were so offended that we were even bringing this up, how dare we, that they left. They were very Mm. interested in us, and yet they just completely left because we dared to speak up and say that, that white men are actually discriminated against. I... Worked for the college for a year. I I graduated with a double major, psychology and theater. Um, People think that's a weird mix, but it's actually uh, 
been quite beneficial in terms of what I do now with documentaries and producing radio and uh, really just trying to understand how to recruit people, how to wake them up. Uh, but I realized that there was no money to be made in doing this, even though I, I did find it to be uh, very interesting. Uh, I worked in theater for a little bit, and then I went out to work in Silicon Valley, and I was working as a recruiter for some uh, some big tech companies uh, on and off. I, I really mainly only uh, spent one year actually in Silicon Valley, though I had some relations you know later on. And... I learned a lot about how much uh, diversity is being pushed in the tech sector. I learned a lot about H-1B visas. I learned just how absurd it is that uh, these workforces need to be made uh, less white, less male, and how it's not even for the company's benefit. It, it, when you have somebody who can do the job, but they're not even hired to do it because you've got to promote some kind of social justice warrior uh, agenda, this is just bad for business. But this is, this is the, the standard operating procedure for almost all sectors in the United States. I mean, so Carl, I started – Sorry mm -hmm. to jump in, Carl, but because you said you were a recruiter, I mean you were literally – you've got frontline experience of that. Can you give examples of – of how that would work and, and, you know, where the pressure actually came from. So say, for example, you had someone perfect for the job who was a white male, then where did the pressure come from to mean that you had to hire someone that was, say, black without the same level of um, intelligence uh, for the job? Now, to be specific, I was mainly working on the sourcing end of things. So I would get the people interested. I would go headhunting. And then I'd qualify them and then somewhat pass them on to the hiring committees uh, to get right. interviewed by the, 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 um, the engineers and things like that. So I wasn't in on the hiring committees. I didn't, I didn't see why certain people got hired or fired uh, necessarily, but I did know that – I did see that there was a push for diversity. You know, I, I would sometimes have to – if I found a good female engineer, you know, I put them aside into a diversity bucket so that we could – you know, try to get them hired somewhere. Um, so they, they definitely put a, a high priority on it. And uh, I could tell you one thing, though, that I found interesting was that uh, the company I was working for, and I don't usually mention this, because, um, <laughs> but I was working for for the uh, the big one out there, Google. And uh, I remember being able to get Israelis hired coming out of Technion in particular is one of their big tech schools in Israel. At the time, I didn't really know too much about the Jewish power structure. I was learning quickly when I was out there because I was in a cubicle and I, I would watch videos at two screens. I'd watch videos all day on one while I was doing work on the other. And um, in any event, I tried to get uh, somebody from Iran hired and that was a big no-no. Mm. <laughs> I, I, I was like, hey, this guy looks really good. I liked him. I was talking to him. And then it came down from up top. No, 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 no. The terrorist. Iran terrorist, big threat, not going to work. Uh, but Israel, just fine. Our greatest ally. Bring him in. Bring him in. No worries. Uh, and when you know people like you and I know that Israel is actually the, the biggest spy and terrorist threat on this uh, whole entire planet, but... You know, at, at any event, 
I moved on from there. I actually had something of an awakening while I, I was there. As I mentioned, it was going down you know, the, the so-called rabbit hole, looking at all these videos and all the related videos, something of a crash course. And I quickly did come upon the Jewish power structure. And I realized that there's something big going on. I saw all of the candidates coming out to the campus there. You had the... Uh, the uh, you know all the, the Ron Paul even came out. We had um, uh, what, who was it? John McCain. I almost ran into him on the campus. I was trying to go get a sandwich, and his security guards are pushing me back. I'm like, what the hell's going on here? It was John McCain, Barack Obama, uh, the, all the rest of them, and I realized, hey, everybody but Ron Paul is Council on Foreign Relations. Yeah, and I said, like, come come on, guys, how can you not see this? You got the left and the right, but they're they're all part of the Council on Foreign Relations. And then I started, of course, uh, realizing what a fraud uh, 9-11 was. And so I was getting into all that. And I was trying to get people awake out there. Uh, some of the people were receptive. Some, one of the guys I worked with even uh, recommended to me uh, William Cooper's Behold a Pale Horse. And I, was, <laughs> I thought that was kind of cool. So there were some people that were, were aware out there. And I think that there are actually a lot of people who do get it in the tech sector, including white people. These are very smart people. They understand understand uh, systems, and they are often working behind the scenes, in my opinion, uh, to to try to set things in a, in a better direction. And I think we need these people uh, to bring more sophistication and some uh, technical savvy to our struggle. But in any event, I moved on from there. Uh, bounced all around the country, found it somewhat hard to get, get gainful employment, especially because we had just hit the uh, the Great Recession when I was there. I was telling people in meetings, listen, uh, you should buy some gold. <laughs> you should. We should learn how to recruit in a, an economic downturn because it's coming. These people are looking at me like I'm crazy, but I've been watching the trends. I've been you know getting into this every single day, and then you know some months later, maybe half a year later. They asked me to give a presentation on how to uh, how to find talent in a uh, in a depressed economy. So so they realized I was right, and um, you know it, it's kind of been that way ever since. You know I'll, I'll talk about something, people think I'm crazy, and then oh, you know five months later, a year later, okay, you were right. It's come to pass, and uh, that's been the case with. Uh, really everything that I've been doing with Renegade Broadcasting since 2012. And this network started when um, when Oracle Broadcasting was going down. I don't know if you're aware of that site, but I'd actually been broadcasting on Oracle Broadcasting for less than a year. Uh, I had been asked to do a show after filling in for a few hosts over there and being a guest once in a while. Okay. So I started doing a show, and I, I had actually had my own blog talk radio show uh, prior to that. So I had some experience, and my show was getting great numbers, except I was dealing with topics that were a little too controversial. I was dealing, of course, with the Jewish issue, but that wasn't that wasn't too bad because there were some other people there that were dealing that. But when I far, when I first started dealing with pro white issues, when I first started uh, exposing white genocide. It caused something of an uproar and, oh, it's that evil, racist, anti-Semite bigot. as that terrible Nazi. And so I eventually got booted from the network. The station manager, the owner, never even actually 
talk to me directly. He just uh, had somebody else do it, I guess. The word just got around. I said, well, that, that's kind of messed up. But that was all right because I had already had Renegade Broadcasting. Pretty, The website was waiting there for me to, to get it going. I already had a good amount of listeners. So the website started with the aim of exposing Jewish criminality and also advocating for white rights advocating for us to be able to self-determine, to be able to reclaim our destiny, and to not be genocided. And uh, since since founding Renegade Broadcasting in 2012, the entire landscape of alternative media has changed drastically, and so many people are now on board with the message. And uh, I'd like to think that Renegade has had a, a, a good impact in terms of getting some people that were not already racially aware or, uh, or Jew wise to the point that they are now today, especially recruiting people from the alternative media, the conspiracy crowd. And uh, I think that we need as many hands, all, you know, all hands on deck uh, as possible right now. And um, I think that what we've, what we've been doing is really presenting the material in a way that is accessible to a lot of people and so from Renegade Broadcasting, we did a, uh, a cross-country road trip in 2013. I made this into a short documentary titled uh, – actually, not short. It's feature-length uh, – titled Renegades in America. It just wasn't that professionally done. And you know, went up and down the East Coast in a car, flew out to the West Coast. And it was actually pretty unprecedented in terms of just – you know, uh, getting out there, interviewing some people, just talking on the camera about these issues, trying to trying to, you know, bring a bring some normality to our struggle and highlight the issues that are concerning us. And so that that really, I think, inspired a lot of people to to get out there and start meeting up with others as well. So that was 2013. We also launched the uh, Renegade Tribune in 2013, though that didn't really take off until 2015 with you know really big readership. And a lot has happened over the years. People have come and gone. There, I'm the only person left from the crew that was in the Renegades in America documentary in 2013. So we do have some some turnover. There is sometimes bad blood. That's always going to happen in this area. You just can't let it get you down. You can't let the smears uh, get you down too much because, you know, dealing dealing with this type of material, uh, you're going to end up getting severely smeared. You're going to have all sorts of opposition against you if you are having any kind of effect. If you're making any big waves, people are going to come against you. Some of them are genuine people. Some of them are agents. Um, but we should never underestimate just how much money our enemies are spending to subvert our causes. We shouldn't let it this this knowledge of controlled opposition cripple us. But we do definitely need to be aware that there are people out there who are getting paid full time to thwart our efforts. I don't think they're going to succeed, but they're there nonetheless. So. Uh, Renegade Tribune, Renegade Broadcasting are the main sites that we have. Also, we have HellstormDocumentary.com. This film was begun in 2014 when I first started the screenplay, working with Tom Goodrich, who has a book by the same name, Hellstorm. 
which I do recommend people going yeah. and buying. And I've read it, that it, too. I, I recommend that, and I've seen the documentary. I recommend both. So, um, yeah, carry on, yeah, please, Carl. I, I, th- I think if you if you have read one, you should watch. If you've read the book, you should watch the film. If you watch the film, you should read the book. You, you, you need get a different get... perspective from both. That's the thing. You yeah. do really need to. Uh, you, basically, the film isn't like the book word for word. It's not the book read out and narrated. It's got different aspects to it. Um, and, and it takes you on a different sort of journey. And actually the visual effects of seeing what you, what you've read is a very important part of the whole package, I feel. Yes. And that's, that's the reason I, I wanted to do it in the first place was because the, the book is so compelling. This, the story is so untold in, in our world today that I felt like people needed to see it. They needed to have, th- this need to be more accessible to people because even if people are interested in the truth, they've they've heard Tom Goodrich give a, a radio interview. They're likely not going to want to go through a whole book of Germans being tortured and raped and firebombed. But hopefully they'll be willing to sit through 90 minutes of it. And, you know, a, a few thousand people read the book or I don't know how many have actually read it. Tens of thousands, whatever the case may be. But I knew that many many more would be willing to watch the documentary it took a while to produce we had voice actors um reading out different lines that were sourced from the book we had uh, all these scenes of archival footage we had special effects not not really special effects uh animations graphics you know animated maps to show what was going on and where and i think it all came together uh, rather well it has been well received it's been a little over a year now and the documentary has um, about 1.6 million views on youtube alone in the past month it has been pretty much censored around the world except for in the u.s so uploading it on youtube uh is useless there are some people who've said they uploaded it to youtube and within you know just getting five views on it it's already taken down mm. so the, the i think it's the what the world jewish congress or one of these jewish advocacy groups yeah. ha- has actually has actually made a, a request to youtube they've been kvetching uh left and right about how neo-nazi material is allowed to stay on youtube so it doesn't matter if it if it uh it, violate some bogus copyright law it doesn't matter anymore they'll get it for hate speech they'll do whatever they can to censor the truth and it, it was it couldn't even get taken down for holocaust denial in these in certain countries that that was the problem with hellstorm is that we don't really even deal with the holocaust the fake six million you, you so, deal with the real uh, holocaust that's the point you deal with the real holocaust what really happened Exactly. And once people see that, then they realize, oh, oh, it looks like there were some big lies going on. And it just makes the, the so-called Holocaust uh, look ridiculous in, in the face of what we can see right in front of us, which is the real Holocaust of German men, women, children, grandparents, the rape, the torture, the firebombing, the starvation of these soldiers out there in, in open-air prison camps. I mean, it's all very well documented. The thing is that that there really is no dispute as to what happened. Nobody can really debunk Hellstorm. They might argue about some of the numbers. 
oh, it was only 25,000 that died in Dresden, which is absolutely absurd, absolutely absurd. But um, they can't really actually uh, debate the facts regarding it. The, the, what I have seen is that people will just try to justify what has happened, just like the, how they try to justify the white genocide taking place today. Oh, they deserved it. Oh, well, they're the ones who supported Hitler. And that's actually one of the reasons that they're trying to justify the genocide going on today in Germany. Well, you guys supported Hitler. You're Nazis. So you, you deserve it. You had it coming. This is just kind of a, a payback for your evil ways. Or in Britain, oh, it's your British colonialism coming back to bite you in the butt. That's mm -hmm. pretty much the way it's framed is that we deserve it. We are, we are deserving of the extinction of our people because of our evil, naughty ancestors. It's just sickening to me. In any event, uh, Hellstorm has gotten a very good reception. As I mentioned, 1.6 million views on YouTube in less than a year. Many views elsewhere. Uh, it has been freely copied, downloaded, and spread as far and wide as possible. I have made no... Uh, no, I have no qualms about people ripping as many, ripping this and then copying as many DVDs as they want, distributing it all over. I want to see this everywhere, absolutely everywhere. So get creative and find different ways to get this out there. Have screenings, whatever the case may be. Uh, a big uh, event took place last month, a uh, little bit less than a month ago here. When I went up to the Myrtle Beach International Film Festival and I was there for the uh, the screening of this film at an international film festival, it was quite, quite amazing. And actually it showed right before a million-dollar documentary. That was the budget they had. I had about $3,500 for mine. But it went right before this big documentary where they flew in all of these big media executives and big businessmen. And the, the film was about the auto industry bailout of uh, 2008. I think it might have even gone into 2009. And it was, uh, it was a pretty interesting film. It was called Live Another Day. So it was just very, very surreal to be giving a Q&A wrap-up after my film while these guys are setting up for their big world premiere. <laughs> and I'm talking about <laughs> how the plaque at Auschwitz uh, used to say 4 million Jews perished there, and now it's only 1.5 million. I'm asking it, well, where'd those 2.5 million Jews go? And, you know, just stressing how important it is for those of us who are in uh, countries like the United States where we supposedly have free speech to actually exercise it and to question these historical events because in many countries, uh, what is it, about 17 in Europe, You'll get thrown in jail for even questioning that six million figure and just telling these people that the truth fears no investigation. I even got into the, the swimming pools at Auschwitz, the, the theater, the, the soccer pitch where they played against the SS guards, the post office where they could send off, uh, send off their letters. You know, it really it sounds a little bit like Camp Cornata. You know that Jewish song? Hello, yeah. mother. Hello, father. Yeah, that's what that's what Auschwitz pretty much was. Uh, yeah, I know it was a labor camp and they were working uh, at the rubber plant, which is a huge, uh, huge part of the war effort. You know, that's another reason why they just wouldn't they wouldn't just kill these people left and right. They're they're essential workers for the war effort. Um, so this this is such a crucial area to to look at, which is World War Two. 
Uh, Hellstorm looks at it from one angle. I think that there are other people out there doing great work looking at the Holocaust lies. Most recently, Eric Hunt has done some really great work with his documentaries. The first one he did was Last Days of the Big Lie. And he has a new one out, uh, Questioning the Holocaust, Why We Believed. A number of other ones in between. A Maidana gas chamber hoax, or was it Treblinka? Yeah, Treblinka archaeology hoax, and he just tears it all apart. People have been tearing this apart for decades, though, and I really do applaud their work. They are real researchers, revisionists, historians. I am not. I was. I simply told this story, and I did want to be factual, and I, so I. I was uh, very much aware that I wanted to tell the story as accurately as possible, and that's why it's great that I had Hellstrom to base it off of. But uh, I honestly do not consider myself a historian, though I am a student of history. Um, so that's had a, a great deal of success, and I'm just, I'm, I couldn't be more pleased with how well it's been received and how it has changed so many people's lives and perspectives. This really is something that will change somebody's worldview in 90 minutes, even if they are m mostly on our side, after watching this film, I don't think you could ever be the same. No, I mean, it's, um, when I read the book, um, I, I was almost ashamed because there were bits that I really had to scan read because they were so horrific and it was equal with the, some of the footage in the film. Um, but you see, you have a duty to experience that. Uh, people are quite happy to sit in front of a fictional gory horror film, uh, but they don't want to sit in front of reality. They get more uncomfortable with that. Uh, and I think that they've got a duty to do that, to actually, you know, they're just reading about it or watching it. You know, these are your racial ancestors that actually experience being burnt alive. And if you can't, you know, give them the the respect of actually watching and understanding what happened to them. Um, I, I think that that's a question that people have to ask themselves if they're not prepared to do that. Um, and that's why I think it's so important to get both the book and the film, uh, because by the end of it, you really will feel, you know, very angry about what happened and very angry about the lies you've been told about what happened, uh, that you're being given different victims to the ones that actually were the victims. And um, it, Go ahead. It's it's the basis of the whole Jew world order that we have today was yeah. the lies of World War Two. It's the justification for the state of Israel and their terror. It's the justification for all the reparations that have been paid to the Jewish survivors. Just amazing how the mathematics with that one work out with all of these millions and millions of Jewish survivors who are getting paid after the war when, you know, it seems that like all of them were, were pretty much gassed. You know, I, I forget what the total number of Jews was in, uh, in in German territory. What was it? Something like four and a half million tops. Yeah. But somehow six of them get six million of them get gassed, and then almost six million are claiming uh, to to need reparations, reparations for being yeah. survivors. Uh, that, that's not the exact math there, but whatever it is is absolutely ludicrous and should just go to show what a fraud this is. But if this truth comes out in a very big way, and it is coming out in a very big way. Um, it's just the the question is what will end up happening because of it. There will be a lot of people who are seeking justice, who are who are going to want to f turn the tables, and let's say maybe want some of that money back. Will want some of these lying Jewish politicians out of their countries, out of the policymaking positions where they are flooding us 
with hostile invaders. I mean, it all becomes very apparent once you realize the, uh, the, the role of the Jewish subversives who have stated their aims for destroying us just the same way that they have stated their aims for destroying Germany. Exactly. And a couple of points that I noted down um, from what you were saying. Firstly, you talked about um, seeing Obama and seeing McCain and then they're all CFR. Well, just an interesting story on the Bilderberg Group. Uh, you'll remember our Margaret Thatcher, who was in power, was our prime minister from 1979 to 1990. Now, she was actually shown round the Bilderberg Group by the then Labour Foreign Secretary, Dennis Healy. So uh, she was shown round, I think, in 76 or 77. And that just goes to show, I mean, this is a documented fact. It's even admitted mainstream now. But I just wanted to raise that so that you know, people are aware that there is no um, political parties as such. There's just, you know, it's, it's a contrived sort of controlled opposition and controlled government. And they control both parties so that it gives you the illusion of having choice. Um, mm -hmm. And then the other thing, uh, you were talking about how the message had changed, and I've certainly seen that. Um, people, I'll give an example, David Icke now, uh, and he's still very popular, his, his site, he, he, he gets his books. I don't follow him, but when I first got into this, I actually saw David Icke at my university in 1991, in my first year. He came and did a little speaking tour when he'd literally written one book, just left the BBC, everyone thought he was a laughing stock and what have you. Um, but now you see on his site, he refers to people as Rothschild Zionists. Now, he, he still won't call them Jews, and actually the people that he refers to as Rothschild Zionists, as it were, uh, I, I saw one of them was William Hague, and, and to me he's not Jewish, he's just trying to, he's trying to basically group a lot of people that aren't Jewish under this tag in a way uh, that's going to exonerate the Jew, you see, so they can say it's not a Jewish conspiracy. It's just a load of, you know, uh, wealthy, moneyed families that are paid for by this elite, etc. They've got their spokespeople and this is one of them. And, of course, that, that sends us really no further forward than we were with, you know, Gary Allen's none dare call it conspiracy. Uh, until you start talk, talking about the Jewish angle, you are no further forward. And really, all the exciting sites out there today, like yours, uh, they all focus on the Jewish issue. And where the uh, goalposts have been moved, I mean, I've, I've been sent a couple of articles now that Alex Jones is just starting to talk about this white genocide. And it's because they're forced to do it, because they mm -hmm. they need... It's almost like... In the 60s, it wasn't the Beatles that changed their sound, you know, from the I want to hold your hand to, you know, the psychedelic stuff uh, when, you, when you look at that. It was the, the sound that was changing. It was all these other bands that were coming along that, that made them change their sound. Otherwise, they wouldn't be listened to anymore. And I think we're never going to find out from the mainstream media the effect that we're having because they don't want to publicise that. Um, they're in a difficult situation because if they criticise us or our work, then they give it publicity. If they suddenly say, oh, there's, you know, th this area is really growing, lots of people are following uh, sites like Renegade and they're following this white genocide message, they don't want to give it that publicity. They want to kill it off. Um, right. And so this is the, the, the challenge. I think by seeing someone like Alex Jones change his position, David Icke's 
not really change it but have to acknowledge this Jewish connection in a rather contrived way shows that we are having an effect and I refer to them as the mainstream of conspiracy they're not pointing to the real culprits they never really have Um, they might mention the Rothschilds here and there and stuff like that but unless they mention the white genocide and the 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 fact that it is a Jewish conspiracy then we're never going to be any further forward what are your thoughts on that Carl? Well, what I found was very interesting was David Icke actually promoted Hellstorm when it first came out. He had it prominently featured on his site, and I thought that was great and yeah. said perhaps a, a lot about how much we have uh, moved the message, how we have created uh, something of uh, the new zeitgeist. Now, I'm using that word uh, as it's originally intended to mean not necessarily relating it to the documentary that came out. And I think that documentaries like zeitgeist and you know the venus project uh that came out uh, almost a decade ago now they were part of this controlled up uh controlled opposition operation it's just like lenin said the best way to uh to control the opposition is to lead it ourselves and i think that's what we're seeing with not just people like uh alex jones but many other people out there who are now talking about these same issues and a lot of people embrace it they say oh this isn't this great these people are now uh, discussing these finally these things finally and i think it's uh it's pretty much a trap they they're they're discussing these things so that they can commandeer the um the the discussion about it so that they can set the parameters about what is acceptable discourse and what is not. And with Alex Jones, uh, it is you are not supposed to criticize Jews ever, yeah. ever. You can you can still blame the Nazis no matter how mm. much we point out the Jewish control, of the Federal Reserve of our media, of our politicians through APAC, of our academia. Uh, of the top corporations, you know, companies like Monsanto, which was founded by a slave-owning Jewish family, uh, which is still Jewish up until this day, it's still somehow the Germanic death cults with this guy. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned the Bilderberg Group. It's something like – I forget the percentage, but maybe almost half, maybe a third to a half of Bilderberg attendees are Jewish. Yet he's still always bringing up this Prince Bernhard Nazi thing. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Bill, here's just one from 2015, I see. The Bilderberg Group, founded by a Nazi and continuing the agenda of the Nazis from Infowars in 2015, just this past summer. Yeah. And still pushing this, it's the Nazis, folks. It's the Nazis. You know, it's, it's absolutely absurd. When you see all of these Jewish faces today and all they're going – all they can um, do about trying to connect it to the Nazis is they're grasping at straws. Oh, Project Paperclip. Oh, OK. So they stole a bunch of, uh, a bunch of national socialists from Germany to basically enslave them, having them working on the, 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 the efforts in the United States and elsewhere. That doesn't equate to a Nazi takeover of the United States. It's absolutely absurd. These German scientists and uh, um, you know other other uh, top brass, they were given the option of having your testicles crushed, having your wife yeah. and, and children tortured, uh, you know all the all this stuff that is documented in Hellstrom. You can either do that 
or you could come along and work for us. And a lot of them said, well, I don't think I'd like to have my testicles crushed and uh, be tortured and watch my family uh, raped in front of me. So I think I'll go over there and work with you. And that was how they but, got the, the – sorry, Carl. That was how they got the testimony for, for the so-called Holocaust. Um, so when they got these various Nazi soldiers and you know various levels within the military serving at those camps um, – that was how they got the testimony. It's, it's admitted. If you look at the actual documents that they were told, there was even a, a case where Einstein was called to identify his brother, uh, one of these hmm. cases. And, you know, um, it, 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 it's just it's such a fabrication that all these confessions from Nuremberg were brought out by torture, and they needed those. And then all the people that were responsible for getting them seemed to be Jewish. I actually want to do a documentary where we recreate some of the most absurd Holocaust stories. Yeah. Like the, the pedal-driven brain-bashing machine is a good one. The bear and the eagle, which would tear apart and pick apart the poor Jews. Maybe even uh, Eli Weasel's uh, flaming Jewish uh, bodies. And uh, also how you could tell which kinds of Jews were Hold being the burned by the, kind yeah. of, by the color of smoke. If yeah. we were to make this all into a film and show people just the most absurd ones, I, Irene Zisblatt every single day defecating diamonds and swallowing them. If we actually showed people the absurdity, the lampshades and the soap, uh, I think that they'd start to get it. It would, be, it would be actually really humorous to make such a film, but <laughs> I don't think that's my, the next one on my agenda. It's just so absurd when you actually look at what they are claiming and how it has no validity, how there's nothing to back it up, whereas with the Hellstorm information, there's plenty to back it up. No, no real historian is going to actually deny that these things happened. As I said, they're just going to try to justify them. And, of course, you don't see people like Alex Jones uh, talking about Hellstorm or about any of these uh, important historical facts. No, it's always the evil Nazis and... Uh, there was even a, a Jewish uh, guy, spy master, legendary spy master, Dr. Steve P- Pachesnik, on his uh, on his show last month, and I was actually tuning in for this, and I heard Pachesnik getting into detail about Rabbi Dov Zakheim with 9/11, talking okay. about all the Jewish neocons, the Michael Chertoff, how. Uh, Israel and the Mossad is very much implicated in this, just going on, doing really you know, good work in terms of exposing the Jewish orchestrated plot of 9-11. They go to break, and then Alex Jones comes back and for five, six minutes just rails against white supremacists, Nazis, and says that you know, basically Jews didn't do anything. Uh, yes, yeah, some Jews might be involved here and there. But it, you, you can't blame the Jews for these kinds of things. It's just amazing how he can turn exposing the Jewish orchestrated plot of 9-11 to turn that into a rant against Nazis and white supremacists. It's just it's incredible the kind of work that this guy is doing for the Jewish world order. Well, I mean, even on the David Duke interview, he refers to that um I forget the name, but when he brings in that Jewish guy, because he can't argue Duke at all, um, and and he actually says he's been my manager for the last 10 years. His producer, yeah. Yeah, but well, that's the, it, yeah. The, the argument that they can give, the only argument that they can give with the facts that were presented in that interview was that it's not only Jews. Yeah. There are some Gentiles who are involved in this, and nobody, nobody argues that there aren't, and that it's not all Jews. 
Of course, we know it's not every single Jew who is part of this conspiracy. But when we're talking about a vast overrepresentation in all of these sectors of power, whether it's media, banking, academia, politics, uh, you know, you run the gamut. Um, it is it's overwhelmingly obvious that when this two percent of the population controls 90 plus percent of the media, that there's something nefarious going on there. And maybe, maybe you know, people like us would wouldn't be have such a problem with it if this ninety percent control of the media wasn't just uh, advocating for our genocide left and right, putting in race mixing commercials whenever they can, uh, just demonizing, degrading us at every possible turn, uh, putting forth the most filthy, disgusting type of material, uh, endorsing pedophilia, just all all of the most degenerate and degrading type of material. They're, pushing forth through their outlets you know maybe if it was actually wholesome entertainment and educational uh, documentaries then we wouldn't have so much of a problem with uh, this vast over representation of jews i probably still would but the point is the reason that people uh, like myself are so-called anti-semites is because it's it's the we're actually counter Semites. It's the only logical thing you can do if you want to just stop the destruction of your people. My main concern is is uh, making this world a better place for myself and for my people, stopping the enslavement of us. And that's what this system of usury is, uh, is a system of enslavement. I don't want to be a goy. I don't want to be anybody's slave. So... Uh, I've got to stand up against these people. Otherwise, we're going to end up in in a system of what you know. Alex Jones talks about this you know, totalitarian tyranny. It's already here, of course, and it's run by Jews, and they view the rest of us as their slaves. And uh, basically, the the only way that we can get ourselves out of this. Because we don't have the same – we don't have a, a printing press where we can just print up unlimited funds to further our agenda like they do. We've got to do the grassroots informational awareness. Uh, we have to educate people, recruit them to our cause, and try to reach a critical mass so that we are able to wrest power from these criminals and institute a new system – whereby we are not being exploited at every single level. The banking scam that they ran in Weimar, Germany, is what they're doing today, yeah. just not as quickly and not as aggressively. And it is do it's having the same effect. Young girls and boys prostituting themselves because they are so impoverished, being preyed upon by these rich elite. The, the top um, 0.1%, and it's even less than that, has gotten so much richer in the past uh, six, eight, about eight years that it's absolutely absurd. The poor get poorer and the, the super rich get that much richer. The middle class is being dismantled. And when you look at who was behind the financial crisis, it's, it's mainly Jews, Ma mainly Jews behind this financial crisis and how many of them got sent to prison for what they had done, for how many people they had impoverished. None of them. No. They, most of them got huge, huge tens of millions of dollars bonuses. It's absolutely incredible. The people who caused this are making out like bandits and have become 
that much richer ever since the crisis because what they do? They got bailed out by the taxpayer, and then they were able to buy up different assets for pennies on the dollar. And you have them just ruling over us like these uh, unaccountable oligarchs thinking that they can do whatever it is that they want, buying politicians left and right, and that there will be no consequences for their actions. And all I'm saying is we've got to show them that there are consequences for genociding our people, for enslaving our people. These uh, oligarchs are not – they're not untouchable. They are not uh, above the law. We have to somehow organize to make them accountable, to bring justice. And I like the idea of a new Nuremberg trial. I think this is what we should have in mind. This one will actually be putting the real criminals in the docket. And I just can't wait to see that happen. I think that when you look at the rising tide of nationalism in Europe, although some of it is kosher controlled, the... The sentiment is in the right place. The people's hearts are in the right places. So we have to really educate some of these people who might be following uh, the kosher nationalists, falling into the the trap of just being counter-jihadists and make them aware of what the real problem is, why all of these Muslims have been pushed into their lands, what greater Israel is all about, and who the politicians are who have been advocating for these open border policies. Absolutely. Um, We've only got just over 10 minutes left. So what I'd like to do is if you can take us through, I've got Renegade Tribune and Renegade Broadcasting open. So if you want to just give people a quick uh, overview of both of those sites, and then we should have some time um, uh, to talk about Trump as well, to give your position on Trump. Or if there's anything else you prefer to to discuss in the remaining time, Carl, just, uh, just let me know. Sure. Let's start off with renegadebroadcasting.com. People can go there, and you'll have the last uh, something like two weeks' worth of shows right there on the homepage. You can listen from the homepage or download that. Uh, It works just fine on mobile. Uh, You can download or use the player. And there's also an RSS subscription. Just find that in the middle of the page. Uh, I have the Renegade Tribune articles on the left side. There's a feed of all the latest Renegade Tribune articles there. There's a Twitter feed to the right. Follow me on Twitter, please. Put out a lot of information that is not put out on either uh, Renegade Broadcasting or on Renegade Tribune. I think Twitter is a very good tool for us. Uh, A lot of people have been moving over there with some great results. Uh, They are going to continue to try to censor us more and more, of course. If you want to go to a host's particular archives, just click on their picture up at the top of the site. We have our lineup from uh, Monday through Sunday. We have a morning show every weekday. Uh, We have... Uh, shows every night, uh, either at 8 p.m. or 10 p.m. Uh, throughout the week. And a number of our hosts, if you click on their archive page, you can donate to them individually. I have my own uh, donation button up there as well. If you want to just click on my face up there in the lineup, if anybody wants to help support. Uh, we don't have advertisement, and we don't even really even have any fundraising drives. So any help is uh, very much appreciated because... It, t- it costs a lot to run this network, and it also costs a lot of time. Um, and so every show is pretty much two hours. Sometimes it goes into a three-hour mark, and I really do enjoy all the content coming out there. A lot of varied material, a lot of different perspectives. Over at RenegadeTribune.com, uh, pretty much the same the same thing. We've got a whole host of, of people who contribute to the site. 
with the, all their different perspectives. Uh, so we've got some some original authors. Uh, this is the you know the place where they come to publish their their new material, uh, such as Mike Walsh, who you recently interviewed, and I'm going to yep. be putting up that podcast with him later today. Uh, so we we have not only the articles. Um, some of them are from the past, maybe Revillo P. Oliver, maybe a Dr. Pierce here and there. We also have uh, new videos that come out, old videos. We have um, podcasts from the past and from the present. Uh, we've got um, a, a, an art section. Sometimes it has poetry. Sometimes it has uh, reviews of m- music and po- poets. Uh, uh, Mike recently did one on Richard Wagner. So there's a whole lot there. It's not like any other uh, site in our in our larger circle, in my opinion. It, it takes a little bit different of an approach to this material. It's not news-based for the most part. We do cover some news, but it's a... Uh, it's uh, quite a bit more varied than that. I, I like to think of it as more timeless because when you're dealing with news stories day in and day out, within a week or within even a few days, some of those news stories are no longer relevant. But yeah. with the Tribune, there are articles you could p- pull up from three years ago that are just as relevant today as they were then. Perhaps yeah. even sometimes more relevant because, as I've been saying, what we've been warning about, what we've been talking about often comes to pass in a very big way. In 2014, I organized the White Man March. Uh, on March 15th, 2014, people going out went out there with these big banners, diversity equals white genocide. They did all that they could do to spread the word on the internet. We had the number one trending hashtag on Twitter for that day, people passing out flyers, stickers, and all the rest. Um, and uh, this this is the kind of thing that I think we need to do more of, uh, to be honest. I think we need to, to get out there and get people inspired. But um, yeah, that, that I'm no longer doing that. I faced a lot of opposition for that. But I think it did have a big effect. Um, we are, are definitely hitting the right chords. I do think our enemies are getting a little bit worried about the success we've been having. At Renegade Tribune... We have uh, record numbers. It just keeps going up all the time. As, as I stated in 2013, it was nothing very big, but but now it is. It's pulling in a lot of traffic, and so is RenegadeBroadcasting.com. So it, it, we need to do everything we can to really push the pedal to the metal. Um, one of the reasons that I don't think Trump has actually been great for us, regardless of all of his Jewish ties. You know, uh, Michael Cohen, uh, Michael Glasner, uh, his uh, his APAC buddies, uh, how he mentioned when he was asked about who his foreign policy advisor would be, he said Richard Haas, the Jew who's the head of the CFR, which we mentioned before. Mm-hmm. And uh, just you know, appointing a, yeah, appointing a Goldman Sachs. It's not just his daughter. His son's married to a Jewess and yeah. his two other adult children are dating Jews. Well, the so, daughter that's married to the Jew, on the on the wiki page, she was in long-term relationships twice before for three or four years, both Jews. Yeah. there's For anybody to think that, that Donald Trump is this glorious leader, this Aryan hero who's actually working against Jewish interests, I think is deluded or, or working for an opposition. To be, to be quite frank, I understand some of their arguments and I understand why they think this could be good for, for white interests. But they're, they're now on the side of Sheldon Adelson. 
This is just insane. You've got people who uh, claim to, you know, be completely against the Jews, who just are opposing the Jew world order, but they're backing the same guy as Sheldon Adelson. Sheldon Adelson putting over $100 million to the Donald Trump campaign. There was actually this whole renegade Jew uh, phenomenon that, that happened recently because one Jew named David Horowitz at Breitbart called Bill Kristol a renegade Jew for not supporting Donald Trump. And he said at the very end of the article that basically the Republican Party is the only thing that's standing in between uh, uh, us and a, a complete annihilation of the Jewish people. So basically the, the Republican Party is the last hope for the Jewish people uh, and Donald Trump. Donald Trump at the head of the Republican Party is the only thing that's going to prevent another Shoah was the argument that was being made. And that's, he was saying it was an unforgivable sin for Bill Kristol to not support Donald Trump. Otherwise, it's going to be a Shoah. I don't know how that's the case when, when yeah. he, Donald Trump would either lose to Hillary Clinton, who loves Israel perhaps even more than any other Democrat, perhaps even more than the Jewish communist Bernie Sanders. You know, it's hard to say. But to think that Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton would help institute another Shoah is, uh, I, I don't know what to call that, chutzpah? I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what the Jewish word for that would be. In any event, uh, we need to be very wary of how they're going to be taking uh, our energies and directing them towards the Trump campaign. When you have so many white nationalists no longer really talking about white genocide, let's say, or talking about the Jewish power structure, but instead putting out propaganda for the Republican uh, candidate, something's going wrong. We should be the ones defining the message. We should be the ones pulling uh, the message towards our perspective rather than trying to ride in on the coattails of Donald Trump, trying to put all of our hopes and, and uh, our hopes for the future in his candidacy, thinking that this is the only way that we could possibly win. I've, I, I saw there was a great deal of groundswell in the white nationalist cause before the Trump campaign. I saw people wanted to get out there and get active and, and do things. And, and uh, now I think a lot of that has dissipated. It's, it's, gone onto the Trump train. So when you've got all these people on the Trump train, we have much less to work with with people who are wanting to be actual racial advocates. And I think a lot of people have just been caught up into the hysteria and are putting all of their hopes in this thinking, hey, you know, I don't really have to do all that much work anymore. All I've got to do is fa uh, vote for Donald Trump and he'll take care of the rest. Yeah, I think that, that is the danger. I mean, it's a difficult one because certainly what he comes out with seems to be f further than anyone's gone than I can remember in American politics. And if I was, you know, in, uh, if I was a citizen of America and I had a vote, then I would vote for Trump because if it's Trump or Hillary, then I'd just vote for Trump and he couldn't be any worse than her. But well, I think that the, the, go the ahead. Jewish dialectic, that's the Jewish dialectic is yeah. oh, you got to choose the lesser of two evils. And yeah. Trump isn't actually all that revolutionary for saying that he wants to secure the border. Yeah, he has some of this kind of cocky uh, anti-PC stance, but I'd actually think that George W. Bush, the platform he ran on, was superior to Donald Trump's. And of course, with all politicians, they talk a big game, make a yeah. lot of promises, and then once they get into the White House, what do they do? Yeah, nothing happens. Barack Obama won, won the, uh, the Nobel Peace Prize. He gets in office, and then we got seven wars, at least, in the Middle East, just bombing <laughs> left and right. Yeah. I think it was something like 70-plus percent of the deaths in Afghanistan and 90 percent of the injuries have been 
during Obama's term. Oh, he was going to close down Guantanamo. I just think we, we should not have any faith in the political process because it is entirely controlled by Jewish interests on both sides of the aisle. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. And I'd, I'd be very surprised if um, he's going to make these changes that he claims. I mean, even, you know, recently he, he was on um, the BBC because, of course, we've just had that Muslim mayor elected and there's been this little spat there. And, you know, he's he's still not happy, but it's sort of like, well, you know, I don't not like this person and I can talk with this person, all these sort of things. And so already it's like, well, I've got the nomination now. So that that's stage one completed, and I'll have to do a different sort of approach to get the presidency. Yeah, I think people are going to be a little bit shocked as he does swing even harder to the left. You know, it, and it was enough endorsing the the tranny stuff and uh, saying Caitlyn Jenner could be uh, one of his uh, beauty con- uh, beauty uh, judges, beauty contestant judges. You know, actually, Trump, uh, real quickly, he's the one who allowed trannies into his beauty competitions. Back in 2012. So he paved the way for men dressed up as women to be competing as women. Absolutely sickening stuff. His connections to Roy Cohen and to Roger Stone, who calls himself trisexual, are very disturbing to say the least. Roy Cohen was the Jewish lawyer who died of AIDS and is completely tied to the mafia. And this was Trump's mentor. People really need to to research Trump. Don't just take it at face value. Don't just just see some some, uh, cute little propaganda out there and think, oh, yeah, Trump's our man research him it's like if you're going to get a used car do you want to check under the hood or you just say oh it looks good it's got a good price no you need to go and get the car facts on it you know you 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 can't just you know be willfully ignorant blissfully ignorant because you think it just it looks good i want to feel good about it so i i just encourage people to really research that um forget exactly where i was going with trump it just the be wise, people. We, I don't think we have a whole lot of time left, to be quite frank, and we ought to be making preparations uh, for the very near future. And one of the things that happens when Republicans get into the White House, whether it was Reagan or George H.W. Bush or George W. Bush, is that the, the right wing, which I don't even consider myself a part of, but the right wing, which often is you know, white, it's uh, you know white militia groups. They go to sleep, even if the guy doesn't do nearly all of what he said. The right wing just it dissipates. You know these right wing militias, which are so big during Clinton. Soon as George W. Bush gets into office, they dissipate to almost nothing. So I think that we need to to keep the pedal to the metal, as I said, keep our leaders' feet to the fire. We need to. We need to make sure that that our people are kept in check. That that they are not just allowed to to slide here and there, just like they allowed Trump to slide. You know, it's, it's just amazing the amount of excuses I hear as to, oh, well, he's just playing the game. He's just a, a, a master, uh, master chess player, just like I hear with Putin. Um, you know, maybe we have differing views on Putin, but it's, it's the same kind of thing where he can outlaw Holocaust denial. He can outlaw uh, any kind of praise of the National Socialists. He can outlaw criticism of the of the Red Army. He can make it a crime to uh, have anti-Semitic biblical commentary in Russia. And yet we still have white nationalists in the West who are hailing him as the greatest leader ever, the new yeah. Hitler. It's just kind of incredible to me. We'll have to leave it there, Carl, because we're out of time. But thank you very much for joining me. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And bye for now. Great talking to you. You have been listening to the Andrew Carrington Hitchcock Show on the Eurofolk Radio Network. 
Andrew's book, The Synagogue of Satan, is now available on his website, andrewcarringtonhitchcock.com, in an updated, expanded, and uncensored edition.